0: listening to community supported Acaville Radio streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org Acaville where people know the hashtag symbol is for more than social media
1: At the top of the hour this hour Home Free is wrapping up their timeless tour, but only to go right back out on the road for their Christmas tour. This is their third annual Christmas tour. The Christmas tour kicks off on Saturday, November 24th, right after Thanksgiving at Harrah's Resort in Atlantic City, New Jersey. From there, they'll crisscross across the United States and end up in Phoenix, Arizona on Monday, December 31st. For tickets, please go to homefreemusic.com tour. Tickets are going fast, as the show in Wausau, Wisconsin on Saturday, December 22nd is already sold out. While you're on their site, you can download or stream or watch their latest single, Finally Free.
2: Hello, Akaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Talkapella. I am one of your hosts, Brian Alexander.
0: And I'm the other one john Lampis. brian i think we had like a whole like <laughs> dynamic duos how we were introducing ourselves and then like oh, yeah. i don't i don't think we followed up on who's batman and who's robin and i haven't now, had the strength to make that decision yet so i think this intro works for me
2: I, I think only time will be able to tell on that one so i think we need a little bit more uh, time to gather you know where our dynamics lie a little bit
0: yeah so. for sure <laughs>
2: So we'll work that out one day, but uh, I'm so excited for today's episode. We have what I consider a a juggernaut and the acapella space joining us today as our guest. We have none other than Jonathan Minkoff. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Hi guys. It's so great to be here with you. We're super excited. This is,
0: it's always great when we get like like big guests like it's it's nice when we have someone who has as much experience as you and has been in the game as long as you have it's it's a real privilege for us so thank you for for coming on the show Uh,
3: it's an honor thank you so much
2: yeah so jonathan personally i know a lot about your background from seeing strong to your performance groups and everything in between but for our audience could you give us a little bit of your music background your current involvement in acapella as well as what you do for a living
3: Sure. I think the acapella bug hit me very early and it was a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, so I'm older than I look. <laughs> and I, uh, I was directing my, my first acapella group when, well, it was 1984.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, wow. Um, okay. so that's going back a long time. And I, I really never left it from that point on. I auditioned for groups. I often did not make them. <laughs> and that did not stop me. I would just start my own group. And uh, that was a process that happened for me in in high school. It happened in college, where I started the group Blind Man's Bluff. Mm-hmm. And that group uh, was at Northwestern University out by Chicago. And Um, we did really well. We did. We made some commercials. We were on the radio. We did all kinds of fun things. And so that took off while I was still a student. And unlike the collegiate scene now, which is all very large groups, we were just a quartet. Okay. So, yeah, the ability to go pro after we graduated was something that we followed up on, including convincing one of our guys to drop out of school whoa (laughs) we were doing that well and (laughs) and i was like hey this is the most fun job you'll ever have in your life and he was like okay i'm gonna do it i'll drop out i'll go on tour (laughs) and that's what we did and we just toured all through the midwest and that lasted for um quite a number of years and then in around uh let's see i think it was 96 i decided that i needed to go to law school (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) i went to law school and of course i was there for all of um I don't know. Two seconds before I was deep in the acapella world again. In fact, <laughs> when I went to law school, it was at Boston University. And who do you think moved me into my apartment? Ball in the house. Oh, oh okay. Okay, Ball I was. I house. was thinking
0: we've had one of their members on before, but <laughs> that's mm-hmm. awesome.
3: They are just amazing guys. So I love them. Yeah. I've subbed mm-hmm. with them a couple of times back in the day, and you know, it just tells you like what kind of great guys they are. I mean, we had met each other at, at an acapella festival and just stayed in touch. And they were like, Oh, you're coming to Boston, we're helping you. Right? They're carrying yeah. my stuff into the place. I was like, Oh, my God, these are great guys. So did that for a while. I started uh, an original original acapella group while I was in law school. And that group was called Alta Vos, really dark, sort of Eastern influenced alternative sounding mm-hmm. music. And that's, uh, I actually hooked up with uh, Mike Mendyke, who sang with Five O'Clock Shadow, mm-hmm. and okay. uh, now sings with Dick Van Dyke and the Vantastics. tastics <laughs> wow. Um, wow. So, yeah, small little acapella ponds. But uh, I graduated from there. That's around the time I got uh, involved in CASA, and um, I was on the board, and I ran the East Coast Summits for a couple of years, and uh, I was president for three terms. And during that time... As I was putting on the summits, I heard this group that I just fell in love with and they were called Blue Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I reached out to them. I said, Hey, do you want to be a part of this festival? Do you want to help us out? And they were like, yeah, we'll bring sound. We'll bring lights. We'll really help you and we'll perform. And I was like, these guys are so great. And uh, at the time I was working closely with Diana Preisler and she was helping me produce these summits. And so. We got to know the guys in the group. We brought them back two years in a row. And the second year, I was like, hey, we're headed back to New York. The the festival was in Boston. We're now heading back to New York. Where's tour taking you? Where's the next place you're going? And they said, "Uh, you know, uh, New Jersey, but we're going to go back to Nashville for three days first. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why don't you just come hang out with us? And they moved in and did not leave for a year. Wow. Lived on my couch for a year. Oh, boy. <laughs> Brian,
0: I'm going to do that to you. Just, just watch out. That's that's what this has yeah. all been leading towards.
3: That's what leads you up to Sing Strong, actually. That tail end is what is them coming to New York, kind of going crazy with their own tours. Living out of my living room, us partying like rock stars all the time, inappropriately, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) (laughs) and starting uh, sing strong at the same time, and really getting the charitable aspect of everything, and and then eventually every you know there'd be a a member who couldn't do something, and so they'd say, hey, can you sub in? You know all the music, so I would sub in, and that happened you know nine hundred times, and eventually they said. I don't know why we keep looking for subs. Why don't you just stay? Stay in the mm-hmm. group. And so that's how I ended up kind of subtly joining Blue Jupiter. Just hang around long enough and, <laughs> and then you join the band. Okay, now you know everything. That's yeah, done. Now we got right. the I'll whole see you guys thing. later. Oh.
2: <laughs> Covered it all. So, so Jonathan, with within all of that, which is just, man, so, so expansive and there's so many different layers there, there's something that you said earlier on when you were... Talking about coming out of college, and you all made the decision to kind of do this this whole acapella thing full time, which is yeah. it's really unique because you know now you see a lot of groups, you know they're doing a lot of projects on the side right after school, and you know a lot of them still going to have full time jobs. You know, just the idea of doing it full time is still a, a scary concept. You know, we have a really fast changing society, mm-hmm. and there's some great things
3: that technology has done. Right. We are now able to have people of any talent level go into the studio and sound amazing because of technology that didn't really exist at that time. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
3: But on the flip side, you've also got a problem, and that is streaming does not pay. And Mm -hmm. you have an entire generation of people. uh, You two might be among them. I don't know who don't own music. You rent right. music, mm-hmm. you stream music, you temporarily borrow music, and mm-hmm. the amount that you're paying for that, which might be around $15 a month, if you are a paying member, is not enough to help out the groups and give them the kind of professional leg up that they need but in my day back in the uh-huh. elder times <laughs> come ar- come around young children um if you <laughs> I never if thought you, I hear that phrase on the show <laughs> if you uh if you performed really well you could triple the amount of money that you made at a gig so maybe some bar would say all right well we'll give you 200 bucks but that's you know and free drinks and that's all we're gonna give you and that might not be enough to make it worthwhile to drive four hours and stay overnight. But you knew that if you rock the living hockey sticks out of that, <laughs> that you were going to sell $500 worth of product. That's not the case anymore. And that is a no. fundamental difference that really has groups today struggling, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: It, there is, there's a pyramid that always existed in music. There was always going to be a group at the top that earned the giant sums of money and a smaller group at the bottom. But that middle class today is disappearing. And primarily that has to do with music becoming free through YouTube. If you had to pay to get those recordings, those careers would be much, much more easily had. It breaks my heart, really, to see so many groups struggling with that.
2: Yeah. And Jonathan, with that, my question that I'll post to you guys. Is, so is it is that how you all found success earlier on, you know, living in a non YouTube world and a non streaming world? Earlier it made on? it easier.
3: It made it easier yeah. for us. So I, I want to recognize millennials have it harder. Millennials, oh. you are not lazy. You have it harder. Thank you, and man. anybody who says anyone who says boo to that doesn't know what they're <laughs> talking about. But the struggle was real for us, too. Right. I'm a Gen Xer, uh, a proud, proud Gen Xer right here. And, (laughs) and I think that the answer for both of our generations is say yes to everything you can. You gotta get out there and hustle and you need to put together as much content as you can. And that doesn't mean songs. Songs are great too, but you need to be able to teach. (laughs) To teach not just one level, but teach everything that you do. You have to be able to go into schools and perform at schools and also be able to go into a bar and also be able to uh, perform at a bar mitzvah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? If you are that kind of group, you're going to find a way to make it professionally. The only other path to success has been the sort of the pentatonics path which also didn't exist in that time. Pentatonics had,, um, first off, let's just admit, fantastic voices in that group, right? Yeah I, no I'm argument. sorry, but you know, I do feel like it's the kind of thing that's really worth saying. Yeah, they had a lot of natural
2: talent. Yeah, a yeah, ton
3: know. of natural talent. They had massive television exposure at right at the outset. They were yep. all very young and very pretty. God, I hate how pretty they are. <laughs> I love how pretty they are. <laughs> they're, all, they're all really nice people. If you get to know them. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they had a fantastic work ethic where they came out with content, 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 but not all original content. They picked a whole bunch of songs that would have other people's money promoting it. So take cheerleader right? Mm-hmm. They covered Cheerleader right when it came out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. some other record companies' dollars are going into promoting that. And they were chasing that right as YouTube and its algorithms would push them, right? That's another path mm-hmm. to success. But that path is, I don't know if that's um, easily attainable by some other group, no matter or what their talent level.
0: No. Yeah. So I'm really curious, Jonathan, you're talking about the pressures today, in the different acapella landscape, and different business practices, and how groups can make it. Do you think these pressures have encouraged groups to evolve, to explore different options? You're talking about being able to teach. You're talking about being able to do other things. I think of. The uh, University of Rochester Yellow Jackets, who they do a like music education kind of seminar thing where they go out into um, schools without music education and they teach with kids. And then we were talking with the Alumni Project last week, talking about how they do performances through, um, you know, basically through YouTube because none of them live in the same place. Do you think today's acapella landscape has encouraged groups to move beyond or at least explore outside of the standard acapella group model
3: i don't know if that's happening a lot for monetary reasons so much as it's happening because this is a generation that really wants to give back Mm -hmm. i I think i think Mm -hmm. it's because they're really good people and they want to lift others up and i think that's a calling that millennials have is to try and make this world better and I, i i think we we just got to, you know, give kudos to that. If you're looking to follow the money, and you really want to see the paths for success, the ones that I have seen that are most successful have some kind of socialistic element to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you an example of what I mean, right? So if you are the Yellow Jackets, and your school is saying, I like that you go out and promote Positive values, we're going to give you money to go and do that. And I don't know whether yeah. that's the case or not, but if it were the case, that's a kind of socialism. Because what you're doing is you're taking the dollars of every single student who goes there, and as a university, you're deciding that those tuition dollars, part of them, should be spent on the yellow jackets. I support that. And I think Mm -hmm. that everybody supports that. But more than ever, we need that. Because if they've got to make their way in this world by trying to sell their albums, then what you're really doing is you're just having a socialist tax of your families, because pretty much only mom and dad are buying the albums. Everybody else is, everybody else is streaming them. And that Mm -hmm. that's just a quarter of a, half of a penny it's just it's a minuscule amount of money until you're well over a million streams
0: so you think that we have to have this kind of socialist or kind of i don't want to say it like kind of it, there, we groups have to make it essentially in a different way than they had to way back when back in your time and do you think i mean well, do you in, think that in my, like,
3: our time in my time mm-hmm. you could make it stri- on a strictly capitalistic system yeah you because yeah, what mm-hmm. you would say is if you really like what you're listening to you will buy it right mm. or your alternative was i don't get this music but yeah, today that's not the alternative mm-hmm. there's a th- that's not the alternative the alternative is i could buy it or i could listen to it for free on youtube right mm-hmm. or i could borrow it forever from a friend or i could stream it and feel good that i'm paying 15 a month for this streaming service, but the artist is getting tiny, tiny fractional amounts of money, if anything at all.
0: So do you think the model we have right now where groups are going into different areas for or exploring different areas for revenue? Do you think what we have right now is sustainable?
3: It's falsely sustainable. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think um, so. Basically, if you're asking whether it will continue, the answer is yes, it will continue. Because... People take great joy in being on stage and sharing their gifts and being musicians and sharing their love and their interpretations and their thoughts through music. And it's a beautiful experience that is spiritual, that raises all of us up. Mm -hmm. We will always do this as human beings. I, I pity the society that loses that. However, the monetary part of this will be that parents love their children. Mm-hmm. yeah and that will always support things and on top of that the secondary support system are socialist systems i you know it's so funny but that's really what they are they're you go to college you put in your tuition and they spread that money around all the things that are important including a club that has members that sing a cappella, and that can be the yellow jackets and that can be the 20 groups at Yale or Harvard or Northwestern. And I hope it is. And I support that. Because if you don't do it through those systems, what happens is it's just you're basically saying that this art form only belongs to people of middle class or higher parents. And that's BS. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be saying that. We shouldn't say that people from modest backgrounds can't participate in this because their parents don't have the extra cash. That's ridiculous and that's wrong.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, I, I agree completely because for me personally, when I got into it, money was not even a factor. It was always for the love of music mm-hmm. and it was just for the sake of performing, which was always at the core. And so it makes me think a lot about how the current I guess entertainment music landscape currently is it's where you know if you want to make money you know is it just simply what you do in person like how you know an artist makes money lots of times off of concerts and you know what they do in person versus you know these avenues of streaming music uh, or broadcasting things over YouTube so it's I don't know there's an evolution to it but then there's also um, you know we're kind of devolving in a sense so there's, there's so much going through my mind mentally as yeah. to you know what where just we're complicated headed at the end of the day so it is it is complicated yeah these are some great topics and thoughts that we're discussing and uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, come back to this uh, riveting discussion uh, but right now we're going to switch it over to uh, Amanda Tran with notable coverage and we will be right back Ta-da! You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio,
0: streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on acapella.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. If you haven't already yet, make sure you get the Acaville app so you can listen to us 24-7. What about that? Acapella 24-7. Where else can you get that? If it's your first time tuning into this segment, basically what I do in every episode is talk about songs or artists that are heavily covered in the acapella world, and maybe go over some versions that I found that are awesome. So for episode 20, we are talking about none other than the infamous Cups, also known as When I'm Gone, also known as You're Gonna Miss Me, popularly heard of in Pitch Perfect, of course, it was performed by Anna Kendrick in her acapella group audition and she set up the scene she was she did crisscross applesauce on the floor she had a cup sang the song it was cute people were like oh my god this is so revolutionary it was a big moment in the movie a big moment in the acapella community and the song resurfaced because I heard it randomly in like a store it was on the playlist it was like the pop version with the instrumentals and I was like Triggered, I was taken it back to the era of Pitch Perfect, and yeah, just wanted to break it down in this episode for you guys. This song originally was an American folk song performed originally by the Mainers Mountaineers, and that happened during the 1930s. If you take a look at the lyrics, it totally makes sense. Like, no one really writes folky songs like that anymore unless you're actually a folk band, and the fact that this became mainstream is pretty amazing. Another version that resurfaced was in 2012. That was like a long, long time after that. It was by Lulu and the Lampshades. And this is the version that I think Anna Kendrick based off of because this is a, I believe it's a trio or a quartet singing the song. And they do make it their own, but the main like hook and melody is still from the Mainers Mountaineers versions from the 30s. And they add the cup aspect to it. So in the studio version, if you look up on YouTube, you can definitely hear their cup percussion And I think when that came out, people were just like, we got to do it. It's like a really cool way to incorporate just an object that everyone has. And I think that's the biggest thing about acapella. It's so inclusive because you can, everyone can do it. If you can sing, everyone has a voice, so you can do acapella. And so adding in like that simple percussion aspect with something that everyone also has, cups just brought it to the next level and people love being engaged and interacting with that kind of thing. So I think that's why it kind of blew up. So Anna Kendrick's version, again, is super stripped down, just a vocal and the cup in the audition. And it was very cutesy. Um, And when the movie blew up, they produced a like full on pop record version of it. And when I first heard it, I was like, this is cool. It's kind of weird, really corny. And I was like, this is never going to blow up. Lo and behold, it was like top 40. I think maybe even top 10. I did not hear on the radio when it came out for at least months and months after that. So they proved me wrong. I guess cups and acapella can be in popular music. All that to be said, if you were an acapella group, you for sure did a cover of this song and your cover was exactly like the original. Don't even try to play me with your, I have an amazing arrangement of this. Everyone did a transcription of it. I learned it, I know the cup routine, all that jazz. I'm gonna play you a quick clip of this version that I thought was super fun if you take into consideration the rest of the production. It is a four person cover. It's Sam Tsui, Alex G., Keenan Granis, and Kurt Schneider. And these people always put out super quality covers and arrangements, so I wasn't surprised. But they did their own little version. So they had four cups, four singers. They did it outside. It was very raw, very, very authentic. I felt like I was there with them and it was super fun and like casual while they did this performance and yeah it was just a really fun arrangement and they actually did make it their own so that's why i'm showing you this one and yeah this is their I version of us, make you sure we'll be be prettier prettier with, prettier with you, with you
3: when i'm gone when i'm gone
1: Thank you so much for tuning into Notable Coverage here on Tacapella on Aquaville Radio. Again, I'm your host Amanda Tran. If you have any questions, any recommendations, any songs or artists you want me to cover, I'm all ears. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's Amanda Tran R O C K S, and I look forward to hearing from you. Then, bye, guys.
4: You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Miss me by my wall. Miss me by
2: my taco.
4: You're gonna miss me when I'm gone.
2: This is Jonathan Minkoff and welcome back to Tacapella. Thanks, guys, for joining us on this episode of Talk Acapella. We have Jonathan Minkoff, who is just, you know, a brilliant figure in the acapella world. And we've been discussing some great topics on the business side of acapella and, um, you know, how, how groups are thriving, both uh, how they've done it in the past as well as how they're currently doing it today. And um, one of the areas I know, Jonathan, that you have ex- uh, expertise in is that uh, you were involved in bringing acapella on television in the sense that Lifetime put out a show called Pitch which you were a, a coach or one of the groups on there. And I, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit on, you know, what yeah. what are some things that we're seeing in regards to what television is doing right to kind of bolster acapella?
3: Firstly, I'll say that my role was a, a small one. Okay. Uh, Diana's role was quite large in creating that. Uh, Marty's role, uh, Marty Gasper, uh, Diana Priceler, both of them had tremendous roles. Obviously, you saw Diana on screen every day, but I can tell you, Marty was was really doing so much behind the scenes but i can tell you uh focused on the business side of things okay uh that we are always as artists told about how much exposure we're going to get <laughs> for something that we're going to do right you're doing yes. it There's for so many the exposure. Memes about that
0: now let's pay you an exposure
3: that's right that's right uh for some reason the landlord does not accept exposure Payments, but, uh. Oh, Matt's to to come up with a different method now. <laughs> so, uh, believe it or not, a lot of initial television work is practically unpaid or wholly unpaid. So you would expect that that would be a great method of really furthering your career. It often is only a method of furthering your career in that your face becomes a little more famous and you can get more people to your concerts, and you can maybe, if you're lucky, endorse a product. The money is still in endorsements. But television is not going to generally pay you what's even worth doing it (laughs) for the first year or two or even three. But let's say, uh, particularly that first year can be very rough. When the show gets picked up again, um, and you get your season two and your season three and your season four. As that continues, uh, and this is especially true in the reality television world, mm-hmm. which is almost entirely how acapella comes out there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If you're a contestant on a show, you're not being paid for those things. That's right. all. That's yeah. free. You, you just you're willing to live in a hotel and, and they're going to feed you. Well, goody. That's not, that doesn't exactly pay the bills. They might give you a little stipend, but it's nothing significant.
0: Do you think there's a future for acapella on television?
3: Uh, Oh, I want there to be. I really want there to be. I have seen a lot of acapella on television and the different approaches to it. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got the sing off approach, which was, in my opinion, like super family friendly, Mm -hmm. squeaky clean. And of course, you know, those of us with the ears could say, hey, that's some pretty processed audio. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah. Right. And that's because if you hear the live take of anybody on the board, you are going to hear some things that aren't so beautiful frequently, especially when you have that many people involved. Now, on the other hand, that's not always the case. You can have groups that sound absolutely gorgeous, but that certainly does limit the groups that you're going to be able to put on television to probably ones that have been together a very long time, that have mastered their blend, and that probably don't sing such contemporary music, Yeah, which is unfortunate, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not what television wants. But anyway, that was their approach. But we've also seen the approach of let's put acapella on the screen, but let's really focus on the drama. Mm. Shows like Sing It On. Yep. Sing It On is focused on the mm-hmm. drama. And I think Pitch Slapped was focused on the drama, too. I mean, I think that they did a fairly good job trying to heighten the drama of things. How'd they do that? Uh, well, uh, the ways in which you do that are by editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can say three sentences like, Guys, I think you need to work a little harder. Guys, I said you need to work a little harder. And what in the hell was that? Right. Mm -hmm. But you could edit out the first two and just show the last one. And if that's what you show me on the screen, then I look like a pretty dramatic and maybe a little unbalanced person creates an antagonism. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the response to that might be, okay. Okay. God. All right right and then you just take the last of those two things right and you make that the heightened moment and that's what we see and you zoom in on someone's expression uh <laughs> that looks uh, horrified and that might have been they might have been horrified uh, a week earlier about something entirely different you know that's unfortunately uh, the lack of reality that is in reality shows.
2: So would you say pitch slats kind of w- that they ever fall victim to over editing of certain things?
3: You know what? I wasn't a person who was on set all the time. OK. Um, so I absolutely am not speaking specifically about the show. I'm just saying when I see what's on television, I think, hmm, that strikes my sensibilities <laughs> as being uh, heightened dramatic work. Not the true reality of what it takes to rehearse a song, not the true reality of how people react, and certainly not how they treat each other. But that makes for more exciting television.
0: Yeah, and I think this concept you're talking about about that's not the reality of the situation, that's a phrase I've heard just thrown around by choir directors, by music educators a lot ever since Glee came on the air, where we just see them pull out some sheet music, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, a four-piece band in the background, and they have all the harmonies and i mean
3: (laughs) Uh, a choreography exactly
0: (laughs) like all that stuff but you know there's a i'm really into movies in rewatching pitch perfect Uh there's the moment i think it's where they held it's not during the riff off but it's when they have their like come together moment the second act like we're gonna like come together and they just start working on something in wherever the like emptied out pool is or whatever and they just kind of yeah. like make an arrangement right there and they all have the chord changes like set and everything and as a movie moment that's great <laughs> they're going back to the basics but as a musician i'm like that's not how any of this works and i'm really curious jonathan as someone who has kind of seen all of this stuff more from the other side than i have or brian has like do you think that's healthy for acapella it's almost like saying like for me i almost like think of it as terms of like you show someone like run on a treadmill like once and then you show them at the olympics and they win you know that's that's what it feels like and i i wonder if that's a bad thing for like the non-educated public on acapella to just show it as this thing where it's like oh yeah you just you just do it and you have it
3: i do kind of wish it was a little bit more rocky montage Mm -hmm. right we don't need to see every note get rehearsed but i would like us to see some kind of thing that said journey "Ah, time went by Mm -hmm. right so if time goes by then um you know because you don't have to watch rocky do a thousand sit-ups a day but you get a fade in and fade out of rocky doing some sit-ups Right. Mm-hmm. He carries the logs. You see him getting he a little stronger. The, uh, he drinks finally, the
0: eggs and everything. Yeah.
3: He drinks the eggs. He finally <laughs> runs up to the top of the steps. He high fives. Yeah. All right. So we know time has gone by and he's trained. The problem with the Pitch Perfect movies is that it kind of seems like they sort of look at each other and nod. <laughs> and they and know then it. they know yeah. all the harmonies yeah. and how to blend. And that's great.
2: That's never worked um, for any groups I've been
3: in. <laughs> uh it's a it's a rarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a rarity. You gotta be a real good. I guess I was just
0: that. curious because <laughs> You know, we talk about acapella is bigger than it's ever been right now. And is it going to keep staying big? And I something I often think about is kind of like the non-acapella public's perception of acapella. I remember I had one of my students and he was like a third grader and it was really before I was teaching him music. But he didn't know that like acapella was a real thing. He thought it was just something that was on TV or it was on pitch perfect and that it was all fake, just like superheroes and like CGI. Like, so that's just something that I've always been really curious about in how acapella is presented to the non-acapella public because they're the people we're trying to recruit. Like, that's where our Mm -hmm. audience is.
3: There's a children's show, and it's called Dinosaur Train, and I'd (laughs) like to speak with you about it right now. I'm down. And on Dinosaur (laughs) Train, there are cartoon dinosaurs, and they hop on a train, and they go from time period to time period. But at the end of the episode, we get to meet Dr. Scott, the paleontologist, and he will usually show us something real from the world of paleontology. Mm -hmm. And that kind of grounds the end of the show. They don't spend too long on it. Usually about a minute, maybe Mm -hmm. at most a minute and a half or something like that. It would be nice if people knew that it wasn't CGI. Yeah. (laughs) by We're like, hey, Mm -hmm. thanks for watching. Pitch perfect. This is how, yeah. I'm Dr. Jonathan Minkoff, the (laughs) acapellologist.
2: And that that makes me think of actually, um, I I follow a group, uh, and you guys probably heard of them, Duende. I think uh, Mm -hmm. they do some really cool videos. And uh, I I think it's one of their uh, Michael Jackson covers. I think uh, it's actually, remember the time, it's coming back to mind. And like they do this really cool video all the way through. And then at the very end, they kind of take away all the studio work and show the guys just working on a harmony. Mm -hmm. Mm, And it's just like, okay, there it is. There's that thing that kind of hooks and lets you know that, hey, this is real. And for me, I feel like I need more of that. And I'm curious as how do we include more of that? Because it's really easy for me to convince my music friends, even if they're not in acapella, of acapella in itself. For someone who's not a music person but just likes music in general, Mm. I have the hardest time convincing them and selling them on the genre. And I think of someone like my wife in general, I'm like, she, I've showed her a few songs and stuff, but she hasn't really bought into it yet. And for me, it's just like, how do you hook those people? Like you're saying, um, John, on how do we sell them on the, the art if they're, you know, not invested.
3: I'll start by saying, even though I'm being critical of a movies like pitch perfect, Mm -hmm. I'm the real feeling that I have about pitch perfect about Every television show that we've mentioned, A Pitch Slapped and Sing It On and The Sing Off and about Casa and about Sing Strong and about all. I'm thankful. I am grateful and thankful that so many people dedicate so much of their lives to pushing this art form. And whether they show the reality of it or they show the absolutely completely airbrushed version of it, that's Still, in the mm-hmm. end, a good it's thing. It's still
0: out there. Mm-hmm. More eyes are on right. it. Right.
3: Yeah. In the end, it's positive, and if we can bring more people into trying it and hearing it and being inspired by it, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. No matter how it happens,
0: I think that's great. So, Jonathan, you just mentioned Sing Strong, and we've had so much to talk about this this oh. whole you know like forty minutes we've been going. What is Sing Strong? Tell me about it. How's oh. it? Just just Sing, pitch me Sing on Strong. it. Tell me what it is. <clears throat> I mean i know what it okay, is but so i just s- want listeners to
3: <laughs> <laughs> but 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 uh but for the purposes of the yes, show yes you have to say tell me about yeah. sing strong <laughs> so sing strong is an acapella festival it's all vocal all acapella and all for charity every single dollar goes for charity we have helped raise over a hundred thousand dollars to fight alzheimer's disease nice. uh since we started it's it's a great cause, and we, we're partnered with another great charity that works on that called Cure Alzheimer's. We don't pay ourselves anything. So the producers that are involved in Sing Strong, they're just doing it for the love of this, mm-hmm. right? We do pay some of the artists that are involved, usually uh, an honorarium or covering their travel. But almost every artist that's involved is either lowering their fee or completely eliminating their fee as they are able to help us do this. We just make sure that what you're hearing is the best of the best of the best Mm -hmm. of each of these genres, each of these tiny subgenres. So anyway, this is what happens. Let me take you through the weekend. You arrive on Friday. Friday, we have Aka Idol. Aka Idol is just like this fast-paced show. So people come on. They only do 10 minutes. With only 10 minutes, you are doing a hot, hot set. That's your best, best material, right? And then we have three judges in the audience. They speak on the mic quickly, give some comments. And a lot, those comments are really, really useful to these groups because not only are the judges speaking live right after they've heard the performance, but the group has just performed. So they know their own feelings about Mm it, right? And all of a sudden, instead of being like, well, last week we did this performance and this is what the guy said about it when we finally get a copy of the notes, it happens that exact moment. Yeah, so it's very, very live. And even the groups that don't win this competition are constantly saying how much they value that experience of the live (laughs) feedback. And in that way, it's like a coaching. But in a coaching, you are never putting your... All into the performance the lights the sound the staging everything but you are doing that for this show and there's an in- incredible sound incredible lights beautiful stage and the way i know that that is true and not just me saying it is that almost every one of the groups afterwards uses the photos that were taken of them or the video that was taken of them as their primary promotional material so you'll see tons of groups that have the SingStrong stuff in the background. <laughs> nice. But anyway, at the end of that, we just have these judges. The only thing I ask is that they pick their favorite. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't say this many points for choreo and this many points for intonation and this because that's not the real world. Yeah. The real world is people pick their favorites. They follow their favorites. And generally what those favorites are, are how genuine you mm-hmm. are. Not mm-hmm. how accurate you are. But it's are you the best version of yourself? Or are you trying to be something you're not? So you could be a barbershop group, or you could be a European large group, or you could be a quartet, you could be old, you could be young, you could be anything, and you can still win this contest. And every one of those things that I've just mentioned Mm -hmm. is a kind of group that has won. Not necessarily because they were so in tune or they had the best choreo, but because they presented something so genuine and right that it was obvious to all the judges. And something else that I will tell you, uh, that I'm kind of revealing in public for the first oh boy, time. I'm excited. <laughs> uh oh. Is that the judges are almost always unanimous. Oh, really? I almost, n- I've almost never seen a non unanimous jury. Backstage, they always pick the same group. They might talk about it for a while, but it's usually pre- compared to other judging, it's very fast and it's almost always unanimous. And it's because they only have to choose their favorite. They're not adding. They're not subtracting. They're not saying, well, there's this many points for this and that. They just pick their favorite and everyone is drawn to the
2: same thing. That's so surprising, especially with you all's unique format for this because everything else in acapella seems to be so competitive and you're saying, hey, you know, subjectively just – Who's your favorite here? That's That's right. Impressive.
3: And also the vibe, even though the winner is walking away with $1,000, which is a great prize for acapella, Mm -hmm. there's not a sense of real competition. There's a sense of support. And that's in part because the styles are so different. You know, you might have um, retirees competing against college kids competing against semi pros, whatever. It's just a kind of an anything goes. And it's really fun. After that, we have a meet and greet. Um, afterglow that goes, um, medium late <laughs> and then the next day starts. This took, this is now taking us to Saturday. Saturday, we have classes all day long. We have a high school competition at two in the afternoon. Again, fast pace and those groups all get written comments so that their teachers can get involved as well. Every group that's there gets a coaching. Then in the evening at seven o'clock, we have our pro shows and we bring in A variety of groups. You might have the highest ranked barbershop group in the world, followed by a beatboxer that, you know, is the highest ranked beatboxer in the world, followed by a jazz group that's, you know, signed to a major label, followed by uh, like an in-your-face R&B group.
2: So this is really non-restrictive to allow for anyone.
3: Yeah. And that'll be concert number one at seven o'clock. Okay. Right. Immediately following that, we do a charity auction where all the money goes to the Cure Alzheimer's Fund. And immediately following that, we do another pro show with entirely different groups. Nice. Following that, we go to the wee hours with an open mic a cappella jam where any group that wants to can get up and sing with any of the groups that are there. College and uh, semi-pro and just someone who's there, just having a great time, whatever, right? Um, and speaking of people who are just attending, if you're with your group, great. But if you're not with a group, if you are like me, you just feel this incredible, overwhelming urge to want to perform. And we have a group for you. It is called the Single Singers. And you get the music in advance. You show up. You rehearse. You rehearse. On Friday night, you rehearse on Saturday morning and while the judges were deliberating for the high school competition, you guys are on stage with the mics, Mm. the lights, the stage, the whole setup giving like a full show. And the high school kids are in the audience and they are the best audience you could ever (laughs) dream of. If you're singing a ballad, you're going to see every one of those cell phones going (laughs) left and right in a giant wave, like the most beautiful light show of fireflies you've ever seen. And if you're singing an upbeat song, they are clapping along and singing. The energy is palpable. It's an amazing experience. So that's called The Single Singers. We went all the way up until uh, the evening. And then on Sunday, we have more classes, more coachings. And this year... I'm in talks with the Association of uh, South Asian Acapella to make a brand new element of Sing Strong. And that's going to be something called Sing Strong Shruti. And that is a word that in, uh, in Hindi means pitch. And it's going to be another competition, and this time for South Asian style oh, wow. They will come out. They will do you know things that are influenced by Bollywood, by traditional Indian music. I mean, just across the board, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And then while they, while those judges are tallying up their own uh, decisions, we're going to bring on more professional groups that are going to perform at that concert. And then after that is all done. We expect everyone to need to go to the hospital and get some (laughs) fluids. And that's Sing Strong. And if you want to find out about it, go to singstrong.org. Singstrong.org. It's an amazing, amazing experience. It's a great networking experience. I actually had one beatboxer who told me he got 10 years of work from doing Sing Strong.
0: Brian, let's go to this. Let's have a
3: show. I'm booking my ticket right now after hearing this. (laughs) Right? I'm I'm, I'm
2: switching careers.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, there's the business things. Yes, you can learn to take your music to the next level. Of course, there are classes like, you know, that take your arranging, your vocal technique, your beatboxing, your um, even the kind of games that a group can play to help them bond. We even have classes about that. All of that's happening. But there's just the experience of being with people who want to make this world better, who want to give charitably, who want to share their music. And that experience is uplifting and beautiful. And it just changes lives. I just wish I could share with more people.
2: Boom. <laughs> well, Jonathan, I'm, Sing Strong sounds like the event. It's, it feels like it has everything. It's so inclusive. It's developmental. It it has everything that any that anyone could be looking for so uh, man i'm planning on going to it one of these days so we can get more involved and with that we're going to take a short break and we're going to pass it over to aaron mccullough with uh, across the pond and we'll be right back
3: you're listening to community
0: supported Acaville radio streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville giving listeners worldwide something to sing about
4: <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Across the Pond. I'm Erin and Across the Pond is all about bringing you the highlights of a cappella in the UK. Um, today we're spotlighting a very special group. Tone Up. They're from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland and I have got my sister Tara on the phone who is an alto and the publicity officer of Tone Up on the phone. We're live with Tara from Tone Up. Hi Tara, how are you doing? Hi Aaron, I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Um, I hope the listeners aren't going to find this too confusing because Tara is my sister uh, and we have extremely similar voices. (laughs) Um, So Tara, Talk to me about your personal experience with Tone Up, when you joined, what stage you're at now.
5: So I joined Tone Up this time last year. I didn't initially get into Tone Up and then I was recruited last minute. Um, And my experience with Tone Up has been absolutely amazing. Before I joined Tone Up, um, I didn't actually understand acapella. I didn't really have a vibe for it at all. But Erin, you were always talking about it to me. So when I joined it was almost like everything just came into light and I finally <laughs> welcome had... Welcome to the weird uh, world of a cappella. I was, I was really welcome to it and everyone's so lovely and I love my group and I really enjoyed the music and I learned
4: so much about sight like, singing, about different harmonies and I really enjoyed performing. Um, talk to me about Tone Up. So what what were your sort of achievements from last year? What did you learn from those? So last year...
5: We entered the Voice Fest UK, which I know Aquapella were also a part of, and everyone. And we achieved outstanding overall performance. And also, our MD, Fraser Hume, won Outstanding Soloist. So, overall, it was pretty much a big win for Tone Up. And since we're quite a new group, that was our, only our third year of competing. Um, it was a big accomplishment for us. When did Tone Up form, actually? It formed four years ago, so
4: about, I think it was like October, November time, four years ago. Okay, they wow. They started, yeah. How many groups are in the Edinburgh Uni Acapella Society? So there's about seven larger groups, and then a few
5: groups of like three or four, I'd say about three groups of that. So it's a pretty big society. And do you have
4: many non-competitive groups?
5: Yes, so there's only three competitive groups, and all the rest are
4: non-competitive. Okay, and and are Tone up planning on doing any competitions this year?
5: Yes, yeah, so Tone up are planning to do VoiceFest Fest UK, Scottish Acapella Championships, and ICCAs. So this year we've got like a lot on our plate. That's a lot.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if many of the listeners on Ackerville Radio would know anything actually about the Scottish Acapella Championships because that's incredibly niche within the UK community so what's what's the difference between that and the ICCAs, for example what do you have to do to prepare for that is it the same sort of idea or is it completely different
5: so it's a lot more informal this year I'm actually on the committee for the Scottish Acapella Championships um, and it's mostly run by students of the University of
4: Edinburgh Ah, so it's not Um, like a formal organization
5: no yeah we try to run it as formally as possible but we actually organize it and set it all up ourselves the competition happens in Edinburgh but um, a cappella groups from all over Scotland come down for it.
4: So we have um, St Andrews, we have a group from Glasgow this year and multiple other groups. And who, who judges that? Like how do you sort of legitimise that process if it is students running it?
5: So at the minute we're in the um, process of recruiting judges for it. I'm not really involved in that. Um, and
4: wh- when is that? That's on the 3rd of March or the 4th. It's still under consideration. What would you say is your sort of, your niche? What is your USP? What do you guys focus on? Our USP? Well, we
5: just focus on having fun, really. Like, honestly, a lot of us are just there for the crack, just there to have a good time. But The crack? We do- can we just confirm
4: what the word crack means? <laughs> <laughs> um, Irish word for fun. Pure so- banter. <laughs> like I admire that you guys have such a good balance of you know, just really enjoying yourselves and not worrying too much but also actually being a really good group. Yeah, yeah. Well closer to
5: competition time we get more stressed and more uh focused, but um do you have any plans us.
4: for releasing any music this year?
5: No, we don't actually. Um it's all been kind of up in the air to be honest. But at the minute we're actually focusing on um an arrangement that highlights problems with mental health. And puts, like, a personal spin on everything. And we're going to, like, include spoken word poetry. And, like, I don't know, we're in the minute of all, like, working towards that. And it's going to be a collaboration. It's really exciting at the minute.
4: Uh, I know the the Oxford Alternatives did a completely original ICCA set last year um, about mental health. Like, they wrote 12 minutes of music about that. Oh, wow. Yeah, really cool. And obviously, acapella did loads of fundraising for mine, so it seems like I was just it's being about talked say, about yeah. in, in the UK acapella community which is really good. So where can people listen to your music and did you release anything last year?
5: So last year we released a single, uh, a New York mashup and that's available on Spotify, iTunes and YouTube and if you just type in Tone Up New York it will be up there and um, we have a very nice little music video uh,
4: to accompany that song. Because you guys are obviously from Edinburgh and all live in Edinburgh, would you not consider doing the Edinburgh Fringe, like putting on a show at the the Fringe for a couple of weeks? Or is that off the cards, off the table?
5: Every year they've attempted to do it, but for some reason it never happens. I think it's just because since we live here all year, everyone just wants to get out. So it's many groups, though.
4: So many groups travel up to Edinburgh and it costs them an arm I and a leg do. to put on a show for two weeks. But I just, I feel um, like you guys are missing a trick.
5: I might. Do, can I just join aquapella this year?
4: <laughs> Potentially, we'll see. <laughs> well, Tara, thank you so much for talking to us and hopefully we'll catch up with Tone Up later in the year and I wish you all the best with your competitions. Oh,
5: thank you so much. It was really nice speaking to you.
4: <laughs> so that was Tara from Tone Up from the University of Edinburgh Edinburgh. As she said, you can catch our single, The New York Medley, um, on all streaming platforms. Um, tune in to the next Across the Pond. We'll be interviewing the president of Oxford's group, Out of the Blue, who you will probably have heard of. Thank you so much for listening until next time.
3: Of mind, if
5: I can
0: And welcome back to Acapella. This has been another super fun episode with myself and Brian, joined by Jonathan Minkoff today. Awesome We've been statement. talking about Sing Strong. We've been talking about the business of Acapella and just the inspiring nature of it and the important things that Jonathan is doing and has done to not only improve the world of Acapella, but to bring it together in a more holistic, inclusive, and uh, just fulfilling way. So Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on on the show today. We really appreciate it.
3: Oh, thank you guys. Um, I want to share this one last story with you. Um, when I was at Northwestern university, I had the pleasure of studying with the jazz, great Jonathan Hendricks of Lambert Hendricks and Ross. Mm -hmm. And, um, my vocal jazz group at the time got to perform for him and every song we would do. I mean, I thought we did a good job, but we certainly weren't perfect, but he treated it as if it was perfect his face red, as if it was perfect. And I realized that he had n- almost no notes to give us. He just said, sing another one, sing another one. And my first reaction was like, we're here for critique. We need you to be more critical of us. But I've many times thought about that experience. And there was a lesson in that. And it was the most important lesson I've ever learned about music. And that was that each piece of music, each performance is perfect in its own way. There is a degree to which it can't be improved. So simultaneously, while you are studying and learning and getting better and getting more precise in your pitch, precise in your blend, precise in your vowels, precise in your rhythm, also Find that place in yourself where you love and adore and find the perfection in every single note that you are sharing with the world. That's my final thing. And then, um, you asked me to push the last project. Yeah.
0: What are you, what are you doing? Like, how can we find out where you are? All that stuff.
3: Well, you can always see me performing with Blue Jupiter. We are signed to Broadway Records. Um, we're, um, in consideration for a Grammy this year. Um, so that's exciting news for us. Um, so bluejupiter.com, uh, you, you can always just go over to bluejupiter.com. And, and of course we're, um, at Blue Jupiter Band at all of our social media. And please come out to Sing Strong and join us there. Um, and, uh, and, Anybody who is listening to this, if money is the issue, I want you to personally reach out to me and let me know what your situation is. And I will bend over backwards to try and find a way to get you to sing strong and not let money be the thing that stops you. All right. Peace. Love. I love you all. Harmony to everybody.
0: Jonathan, when is sing strong?
3: Sing strong is February 8th, 9th and 10th, 2019 at Adelphi University on Long Island just outside of New York City.
0: Brian, I'm showing up at your house the night before with just like a bunch of sandwiches, some pizza and like tanks of gas and we are just going to road trip it there. It's going to be beautiful.
2: I'm already right there with Do you. It. I'm, I'm packing my bag right <laughs> now after that one.
3: You better get your sleep on now because oh, you God, will yeah. not be <laughs> sleeping during that festival. I'll
2: I tell don't tell you mind you that losing much. sleep for that. No <laughs> awesome. <problem. laughs>
0: well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on, giving us that great advice and telling us where we can find you and, and learn more about what you're doing and how everyone can get involved. Thank you again.
3: Thank you, John. Thank you, Brian. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome.
0: Brian, if people want to find out where you are, how can they do that, man?
2: Yeah, uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore A05. And as always, please go follow all the the work that I do with College Acapella. Nice.
0: And everyone, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S. This has been a really fun episode, another entry in just kind of our heartwarming, inspiring episodes that we've been having a good run of lately. So Jonathan, thanks again. This was a great time. Thank you. And uh, we're going to pass it on over to Lisa Hawkins with her segment, Asking for Directions. And with that, for everything acapella, please stay tuned. Silent night,
1: holy night, all